become a famous pianist? You know, it was all hard work and dedication, and I just want to thank my parents for putting in the money and the time. I want to thank God for giving me the natural ability. But yeah, it was really hard, and like I'm really proud of the work, and that was... I was totally improvised. Are you serious? Yeah, I know. Wild. Crazy to believe it, but that was just for this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bring On The Books. My name is Allison Winslow. And my name is Bryn Case, and we are very happy to be here with you today. Today, we are discussing the sixth moon in the seven moons of Mali Almeida. Bryn, that means we only have one moon left. Only one. I'm tripping about that. I also want to bring attention to a trigger warning before we say even Mm. one more word because in this chapter, there are multiple scenes of violence as well as depictions of torture like in the previous chapter. So I just want to mention that for people that are listening along. We, of course, as we have stated, will not go into the details, but if you are reading along with us, Please do be mindful of that. Thank you, Bryn. I think we should just jump into content. Jump right in. Okay. You guys, we left off on a big old cliffhanger. We left off in the memory of Molly's last night. However, Molly is tugged from those memories by Didi, Viron, and Clarantha saying his name as they work to hang up his pictures in the art center. Dee Dee is looking at the Perfect Ten photos, which are of Molly, Dee Dee, and Jackie on vacation, and also of, like, animals and wildlife, and Dee Dee starts reminiscing about their relationship and the vicious cycle that they always found themselves in, a pretty toxic and harmful relationship to both of them. And apparently, all of my theories of what the Perfect Ten were, were wrong. Yeah. He does take pictures of beauty on page 303, and I quote, "He These are wildlife photos, the only envelope out of the five not to contain ugliness. So now we see a kind of dynamic ability to Molly that we missed and were really puzzled about at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the beginning we thought... He's just this cynical person who only shoots ugliness. He says he loves photographing, but how can he only photograph the gross horribleness of humanity? And now we're seeing that he didn't and that he counts these as like his perfect 10. Molly begins to catalog the photos that are being hung up. In the King envelope, there are war crimes committed by the government. He has many pictures kind of debunking the lies told by Major Raja, showing people they claimed were alive that had actually been dead in custody. There's a quote on page 306 that I would like to call our attention to. On page 306, it says, quote, all these now hang from the walls of the wind like you always hoped they would. Your plan was to orchestrate this from exile. Instead, you have staged it from beyond the grave. Bravo. There's a kind of like dark humor in there of this was always Molly's plan all along. And yet, even his death couldn't stop him from doing it. And I'm just really happy for our boy Molly that his dream and, like, his life's work is going to be shown for everyone. No, I totally agree with you. I feel like because we're so invested in Molly and because of this second-person standpoint that we're put in as the reader, we really 
resonate with him and we feel like something has been resolved in this moment Mm -hmm. for him and so something feels resolved for us Mm -hmm. and I think that I'm really happy he got to that point so that we could get to that point yeah it's definitely it's it's nice to see something resolved in a book with so many questions this is one less question one less mission that Molly and the rest of the characters are trying to accomplish It does beg the question, though, because he has gotten the thing accomplished that he wanted most to get accomplished. Is he going to is he going to die now? Mm, Is is he he going to go into the light? Exactly. Is he going to go into the light? Is he going to fade into oblivion? I mean, his whole life's work has reached the point that he needed it to work. What else does he have to do? Yeah, that's a really good question. Clarantha tells Viron and the people helping that they'll have to leave and go into hiding because of what they're doing. They are basically breaking a lot of laws and showing these pictures that do not paint the government in a good light. So they got to get out of town. Didi picks up the Jack envelope and starts flipping through them. They are all pictures of men in various stages of dress or undress who Molly has slept with. In it is one of Viron, and when Didi sees this, he storms up to Viron, hits him, and begins to choke him. Before things can get too far, he lets go and leaves. Once he leaves, Clarantha and Viron decide to display those pictures, even though they were meant for only private viewing. I think that this is, and I'm just going to go right into touching on character development, because I feel like this really is a defining moment for Didi, especially how we, the reader, perceive him as having anger issues. Because first we see his reaction to the photos of him and Jackie and Molly. And he has this super intimate, gentle moment where he's quietly sobbing. And then it seems like he flips the next page and he's just so angered by Mm -hmm. it. And so we really feel this tension of contrasting emotions and at least for me I was brought to the realization that he really is characterized through his reactions alone throughout the novel Mm -hmm. he really doesn't seem to have much given to him as a character other than how he reacts to everything that Molly does, how he kind of keeps Jackie in check, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it that, his interactions with his father. Mm -hmm. We know he's spoiled, but we don't really see much of his personality play out other than in reaction form. Yeah, and you talking about this really brings into light for me just how much like privilege that Didi has in his life. His father works for the government, um, he's rich, he's good looking, he has a job, like he, I think he's a lawyer, and yet he has no agency of his own. He like never seems to take action in any way. They finish hanging up the photos and leave to go into hiding. Molly stays behind to look at his photos and wait for the people to come. Molly stays behind to look at his photos and wait for people to come. As he's waiting, two ghost dogs ask him how they can get to the river of baths. Molly's taken aback and tells them where they can find the river. And then he says that he didn't know that dogs could become ghosts. 
There's a really interesting exchange between the dogs, Molly and a leopard, where the leopard tells a story about how he learned that some humans have souls. And I guess I just find it really funny that the animals are like looking at humans and being like, they don't have souls when humans look at animals a lot and are like, animals don't have souls. It's also interesting because I felt myself relating more to the animals in that moment. I was like, yeah, seeing all of these humans, especially in this situation in history right now with everything going on. I mean, if I were a creature looking at what humans are doing to each other in the middle of this war, I would think humans didn't have souls either. I totally agree. Yeah, you can like, it really puts you into perspective of like, whoa yeah looking from the outside looking in like this is horrible yeah <laughs> like, this agreed. is terrible three tourists enter the room and begin to look around at all the pictures molly learns that there are tourists who died in a plane bombing that he had taken photos of and the pictures are hanging up on the wall they decided to stay in sri lanka and have been touring people's dreams they finally reached the last six photos which molly calls his the pearls of his collection two show faces from the 1983 riots two show deaths in custody and two show the meeting between major raja colonel g and rob molly claims that they might not be pretty but that they do not lie and that's really like an emphasis on truth that i think molly has which actually is ironic because throughout the whole book He's been described as someone who, like, never tells the truth. He always just kids around. Like, people never know what he really means or thinks or feels. But he's like, these pictures, they might not be pretty, but they they don't lie. I think it also shows, like, a completely different side to his work where he's photographing these things not because they're beautiful or aesthetic or not aesthetic but really not to show his expertise of shooting more just to out the government in a way i mean the the pride that he's setting aside in order to put up pictures that he's not proud of the quality of but proud of what he could shoot i think that's also communicating something pretty heavy about what he felt his duty was in his vocation. And we can really see here that he loves photography, he loves shooting, but he really does believe he's doing something for this war by releasing these photos. He does not at all believe himself to be participatory in the war, but that everything he had done up until this point was to end the war by showing these photos. Dina calls Molly away and asks him if he's ready to be useful, which I found really funny. He's like, you ready to be useful now? You, you've done nothing for me so far. As they talk, the army that Sina has been raising appears. It's a mix of dead JV peers, tigers, and innocents. Sina gives the orders and they all take off in the wind with Molly in tow. They arrive at driver Molly's apartment room barely very very dingy crusty room yeah and things are not good there is an army uniform draped over an ironing board that molly sees has dynamite sewn into the lining and i think he's gonna be a suicide bomber 
I didn't even notice that when I was reading. That's what the jacket was? Yeah. I, I know. I kind of I peeked ahead and I saw that you had a question about the jacket. Oh, my gosh. I'm actually floored right now because I was going to ask you about that. And I wanted to know. I was thinking maybe, like, life-proof vest, <laughs> like, life jacket. I was not thinking blow himself up. But yeah. that adds a whole different Wow, okay, I'm so sorry, continue. Oh, no, you're good. It also seems like Driver Molly can tell when there are spirits around him as he directs, directly looks and talks to Cena. Cena whispers in his ear that they are there for him and that he will help Driver Molly find his peace. He tells Cena that he knows he's there and that he wants him to leave. Suddenly, there's a knock on the door and who should enter but Kuga. They talk, and Kuga knows that Driver Molly can see ghosts. It sounds like they are planning a bombing for a meeting that is happening that evening. Cena tells Molly to follow him as they find an older man playing with his kids, who Cena claims is a monster, but doesn't seem that bad to Molly. They follow him for a while, and he seems like a nice guy. Like, he plays with his kids, He's nice. he has a wife who he's really nice to, he has a beautiful house. Like, on the subway, he's respectful to a bunch of people. He just seems like an upstanding citizen. They follow him, and Molly questions Cena about his methods of revenge. However, the man arrives at the palace, and he goes in. He changes his shirt, puts on a mask, and begins torturing a prisoner. Cena reveals that the man that they have been following is THE mask, and that he will soon die at their hands. Cena is very melodramatic he is but i'm really glad that they portrayed the mask in this way i'm really glad that they showed that no matter who you are what position of power you're in what war you're in what's going on in your life everybody has like kind of dual roles in Mm -hmm. life and in relationships and in everything we are capable of as much good as we are harm and Mm -hmm. i think that that was just a really profound way to show that instead of telling it. Mm -hmm. I've been really trying to work on that in my own writing recently. Mm -hmm. And I think that I was just, I was floored. I was very, very impressed by how they did that. Yeah. And also, I 100% agree. It also, like, calls into question, like, what are people willing to do for, for the life that they want? What are they willing to sacrifice and, like, have on their hands and be responsible for in order for them to have like a comfortable life because I mean we don't really know why the mask is torturing people but I'm assuming that he's doing it to get ahead in society and to have the life he wants to keep his family safe yeah to continue living in a nice neighborhood yeah and so it's just really calls into question for me like what are people willing to do for what they want outside the palace Cena and Molly meet up with the rest of the army Cena calls to them, telling them that the Mahakali sits on the roof of the palace to feed. One ghost calls out asking what the Mahakali is, and Cena answers saying, quote, The Mahakali is the in-between's most powerful being. She soothes those who suffer, absorbs their pain, and the Mahakali has agreed to help us with our mission. We call it Mission Kuveni, after the discarded mother of Lanka. He leaves to go talk to the Mahakali. And while he's gone, Molly asks the dead child, a dead child soldier, what Mission Kuveni is, which is really helpful because we don't know what Mission Kuveni is. And the child soldier explains that the plan has been set in place for 70 moons and that it all began when a young tiger soldier arrived in Colombo disguised in an army uniform. 
he took a job as a driver for the manager of the casino at Hotel Leo and was outsourced to work for Major Raja for off-the-book errands. He had a fake ID, but everyone called him Driver Molly, and he endeared himself to the people he worked with. And he soon found himself an undercover tiger with access to government-owned vehicles. He drove for Hotel Leo, Major Raja, and Minister Cyril. After the car crash, he was put on sick leave. So we get a ton of backstory on Driver Molly that was not there before. And it's so interesting because this origin story, it seems, is told through the eyes of a little boy. And then we also, earlier in this in this chapter specifically, we see Driver Molly injured mm-hmm. and he's vulnerable and he's hurt. And now he's vulnerable again to another extent because we are hearing his entire past, which he has not told us, but this strange ghost child has Mm -hmm. as if it's common knowledge as if everyone in the crowd knows it yeah and as I was reading the book like yes driver Molly was there but he was always kind of a background character and I always just took him as like a guy who is at the wrong place at the wrong time and like didn't really have strong beliefs I don't know he was and I was always endeared to him because he just seemed like a nice guy who was really just stuck in life it seemed like to me and stuck in the wrong crowd but now this like offers so much more explanation as to why he was there why he's the driver um like this whole backstory of his motivations he's a member of the LTTE like it's just crazy like he has this whole political belief system that we didn't even know about and it's just so crazy how this late in the novel Karen Talaka is, like, dumping this information on us about this character who we've literally been with since the beginning. And who has never been in the forefront of the action. No, never. And now we see that he's been an integral part of this mission Kuveni, which has been in place for 70 moons, which is, like, a really long time. And also thinking back, maybe this is the reason they were so adamant about dragging him out of the burning car when the car flips. I think so. Because they needed him to fulfill this mission that essentially, now we know, he created. Yeah. Dina comes back from talking to the Mahakali and tells everyone that it is done. And they all cheer. They're all very excited about that. Sina gives a speech to encourage and justify what they are about to do. They are, are about to bomb a meeting between Major Raja, Minister Cyril, and the Mask using Driver Molly. So my prediction was correct. Congratulations. I was just not an intentive enough reader. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's not a contest. I was so ex- I'm just at this point I'm just trying to get to the end of the book because I'm so curious that it's honestly not that surprising to me that my eyes skipped over the bomb laced jacket. <laughs> But that was definitely a mistake on my part. You're good. I know. I am so curious to see how this book is going to end because I feel like things are just getting more and more complicated, which we can see in the next section. (laughs) It keeps getting more complicated. I keep getting less sure of who killed Molly. And is that genius? Are we going to be left on a cliffhanger? I don't know. I hope not. I hope not, too. While Sina is talking, Molly is drawn away by voices he recognizes. He goes to a hallway where he finds the mask, Ranchagoda, and Kasim arguing about their orders. When Molly looks into the cell, he sees 
Jackie on the cot in the cell. Dun, dun, dun! Am I quite, like, what do they have to grill her about? What what could she know, know is my, my question. I don't know. Because if they were just going to kill her, obviously I'm not saying I would understand it, but I would understand it more <laughs> than it torturing her because what, I mean, Molly's already gone, so Molly's dead. What what could they? My, not my girl Jackie. I know, we really like Jackie, and I think this is intentional that it's Jackie in there. I'm scared that, like, something's going to either happen to her or that she's going to be, like, mean in some way. And then something worse is going to happen to her? Yeah. No, I can understand that. She is a feisty character. Mm-hmm. Bryn, do you have any themes that you would like to bring up? Well, actually, I wanted to mention the occlusion of... A theme. Every single chapter up until this chapter, I've always been very adamant to touch on religion. And this is the first chapter we see where there is not any content in this category that I could find, explicit or implicit content. And I think that, first of all, that says something about how much else is going on in this chapter. This chapter packs a lot of punch. But I think that this also had to have been intentional on Karunta Laka's part, and I just want us to think about what that could be saying. I also wanted to point out that in this chapter, we find out what the perfect 10 is, Mm -hmm. which is a really big moment. It was for me because we had talked in previous pods about what our predictions were, what the perfect 10 was, and we were both wrong. Mm -hmm. On page 303, this perfect 10 folder turns out to be wildlife photos, the only envelope out of the five to not contain ugliness. And I think that that's really showing another side to Molly as well because we see now that he actually did also photograph for pleasure which I think fills in a lot of the personality gaps that you and I had worried, not worried about, but like mold over in the beginning mm-hmm. of how could he just be this cynical and only take pictures of these things, especially when he's in love with his camera. And so I think it was hard for us to understand the pairing of having a passion, but then using it to capture such ugly things. Mm-hmm. But now we see that he did more than that. So, but honestly, Allison, that's really it. I mean, we already talked about character development with the mask, Driver Molly, and Dee Dee. So, honestly, I just want to hear what your question is. Yeah, okay. So, we've talked a little bit about it, but what do you make of Dee Dee's reaction to Molly's pictures of the other men, especially in regards to Viron? Wow, that's a good one. Hmm, let me think. I felt like it was a pretty natural reaction, to be honest. I Mm. feel like I would have been angry too, and that's not to say that I think it was the right thing to do to slam a man up against the wall, and Mm -hmm. that was a little theatrical. But I do think that he has the right to be angry, and I'm not surprised. I was a bit surprised, though, that he didn't go further into essentially beating up Viron. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like this whole time, you and I have been very 
focused on the fact that Didi has anger issues. Yeah. And we've really wanted to see what those look like. You predicted he could be the killer based on the fact that he has anger issues. But I think that this scene showed me that he stopped. He didn't take Viron outside and continue to beat him up. He really just collected himself at the end. And again, I'm not trying to high-five him or anything for this. I think that's a bare minimum to not kill someone. But I think that he stopped and had self-control, and that makes me think that he's not the killer. See, I would maybe disagree because I think that if Dee Dee killed Molly, which I'm not sold on, but I think he, he he's a contender. I think if he did, when he went and started beating up Viron, it could have brought back all those emotions that he had and, like, the memory of the last night of him killing Molly. I think that he, he was, I mean, he was choking Viron and could have killed him. And I think if he was in that situation, it would have brought back the memories of him with Molly and that would be so intense his guilt his anger his sadness his like mourning over molly's death but while also still being guilty would just like kind of overtake him and i think he would just feel defeated he just couldn't continue because of his emotional response and his memories it's a bit far-fetched but i actually don't think it's that I mean, I can see what you're saying. Like, I could see the overwhelming emotion, guilt kind of flashback moment where he's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, I've been in this situation before. I need to stop. I'm actually impressed that you're able to see that route. Oh. I was not able to see that at all. I still don't think he killed Molly. Do you have a question for us? I did, but as I mentioned earlier, it was about the jacket, which... Okay. You solved that for me. <laughs> you solved that for me. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm glad I, I'm, I'm here to help. That's thank why we you. have this podcast, so we can help each other. Community, guys. Do not underestimate it. It's important. So now that we're kind of talking about it already, who do you think killed Molly? It's difficult to say, and I want to be completely transparent. I think that there was so much going on in this chapter that I wasn't thinking at all about who killed Molly. Mm -hmm. I was more worried about driver Molly's participation in this plan. If he's going to die, somehow I feel attached to him, even though he's more of a background character, so I'm nervous if he's going to die. Yeah. I was focused on why Jackie was in the room at all. I mean, Dee Dee is completely aware of the fact that his boyfriend was cheating on him the whole time. Yeah, his pictures are about to be out, and we don't know how that's going to go. So I think that there was just so much that I really wasn't focused on that. And if pushed to make a guess right now, I don't even know what I would say. I'd have to agree with you. I, as we've said before, it's just getting more and more complicated, more and more layers that, like, where I thought that I had a clear path of like, okay, what happened to Molly? Now, however, I really just don't have a clear view ahead. I was so sure beforehand. I mean, you you guys have heard me. I was, I had my points laid out. I 
knew who it was. I knew why. I, like, had everything all set out. And now there's just so many, like, factors going on that I couldn't I couldn't give you an answer. It could we could come out of left field and Jackie could be the murderer for all we know. I don't know. Oh, Brent. That's face. actually not a bad idea. I, I wish you I wish you guys could have seen that because my head did like a total cocker spaniel moment where I was like, huh? Like yeah, I her eyes lit up. She yeah. was like, wait. Well Okay, but wait, hang on. This actually could check out because Jackie is in love with Molly. And why is she, maybe she's not about to be tortured? Why she, is she in there with them? Maybe she found out that Dee Dee and cuz cuz Jackie didn't doesn't know that Dee Dee and Molly were a thing. Maybe she found them out and got so jealous and pushed him. Also though, she's in the palace and they're about to bomb the palace. Oh. So, are they going to accidentally kill Jackie, too? <gasps> Is our girl Jackie in more danger than we thought? I didn't think about any of this. This was a big... This was a big chapter, and to keep it real, and to keep it between, you know, us and you guys, we've been having some software issues. Yeah, we have. So, we have actually re-recorded this episode three different times and we know this chapter like the back of our hands at this point yeah really really well we do and so to be quite honest we are coming from a place of loving this chapter but being so ready to move on (laughs) and figure out what the hell is going on because it's also the last chapter before the end i know so we're just we're on pins and needles we're anxious we're having it's it's intense it is intense But you guys, wherever you are, I hope you have a great rest of your night, morning, evening. I hope that the rest of your walk, drive, mealtime is perfect and beautiful and everything you ever wanted it to be. Please read the rest of the book because next time you press the play button... There will be some spoilers if you have not read because we are getting down to it in this last episode. And hopefully we find out who murdered Molly. Love you all. Have a good night. Bye. (laughs)